Greetings, dysfunctionals. It is I, Dr. Morales, once again with another episode of The Reality Dysfunction. Today, we are talking with Oscar Medina, a high school teacher in Tucson, Arizona at Changemaker High School. Brother Medina is a decade-long educator who is dedicated to bringing indigenous culture to Rasa students. He just recently started a PhD program in sustainable education at Prescott College. Let's get down to it. Okay, Oscar, I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your uh, schedule to be here today with me. I was hoping that maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you here to Prescott this week, well, for the, the PhD program that you're starting. Cool, man. Thanks a lot, Todd. I um, really appreciate I feel you know humbled and honored, man, to be here in your office, man. It just makes me feel like home, man, just seeing the sage back there and some of the posters you got up, you know, of the UFW movement and like some of these uh, groups, man, that I used to listen to, man, growing up, delinquent habits. So it feels like home, man, your office. And uh, thank you, man, for uh, giving me the time, man, to to do this podcast. While I'm here today, man, my journey started back in the 80s, man. You know, I'm, I'm an 80s kid, born in, in Los Angeles. Both of my parents came to L.A. Uh, from Jalisco, Mexico. I grew up in uh, different parts of L.A., I ended up uh, going to high school, actually, San Fernando High School. I had a, had a real good opportunity there, a lot of cultura, a lot of good mentors and edu- educators there. But I was, I was one of those kids, man, that just didn't see, um, didn't see myself in higher education. You know, I'm, I'm doing this PhD program now and just kind of like got caught up with a lot of uh, issues uh, real quick, you know, uh, at, at age um, 13, you know, just being handcuffed, man. And that was like, you know, just like crying and like asking like, why, why would, you know, and, and being interrogated also like growing up in a community, man, where, where there was like just hyper policing and just constant profiling uh, was something that, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize until, until I left to college and started studying this. So um real thankful, man, for the different mentors that I had along the way, some really good educators, real, real cool high school teachers that kind of guided me, man, and said, hey, you could do it, you could do it, despite all of the the environmental uh, circumstances that just kind of kept us kept us from from going into higher education. So I went to, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a non-traditional student, man. I went to community college. I went to Los Angeles Mission College. Um, there, you know, I had, I had instructors like Jose Maldonado. You know, I took uh, Chicano study courses. From there, I just started uh, to learn more about my, my own um, indigenous identity and my, my connections to to this land, man, and, you know, putting all of that into practice, and I transferred up to Berkeley, f- took courses in ethnic studies, got my, got my um, degree in Chicano studies from up there, and I always I, wanted to go to Berkeley. I had a, had a, had yeah. really good, yeah. That was one of my, that was one of the two colleges that I wanted to go to when I was growing up, because when I was a kid, my mom had this book that was called Great Speeches of, I don't know, it was Great Speeches or something, and one of the speeches in it was the machine speech by Mario Salvo. Mm. And so um, I was a kid, I was like 12 or 13 when I read that. And it just always made me want to go to Berkeley. So yeah. Cal. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, it was, it was cool, man. Uh, I was there, you know, from 2004 to you know 2009 and really got involved with some of the organizing that was happening on and off campus um, with uh, an organization that took me into schools called Youth Together. Mm-hmm. And I had some really good uh, mentors, Raquel Jimenez, um, who 
you know, was uh, in Oakland Unified at the time. And also, you know, going to schools up in, in Richmond and, and looking at how youth organizing you know, was happening in the Bay Area, you know, just. So I, I got I got exposed to that. You know, that was really like my social justice community organizing education was actually happening outside of the Berkeley campus. Right. Um, the campus was was cool, man, but it was like it was pretty elitist, man. Like yeah. there's some folks in there that, you know, got some some privilege and wealth and I didn't I didn't have that. And so I, you know, kind of spent a lot of time off campus, you know, doing um, protesting and organizing, man. Yeah. And in 2006, you know, we had we had, uh, you know, the May Day and a lot of folks. I remember those we were just standing outside, you know, picketing and, you know, making sure people didn't cross, you know, on that on that one day on May 1st. Um, that was the 2006. Those were the big national yeah. immigration protests, right? Where like yeah. hundreds of thousands of people were out all across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that day. That was um, that was pretty incredible. The crowds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So fast forward, um, here I am today. You know, I've, I've been in the classroom in Tucson teaching at Changemaker High School for 10 years now. Have you been at Changemaker the whole been, 10 years? I, no, I've been at Changemaker for five years. So in 2015, you know, we, with House Bill 2281, you right. know. Um, Which it's for the listeners. Yeah. Ar you know, Arizona, we, we had some of the, the, the most racist laws that came at us in, in 2010 when I moved to Arizona, uh, SB 1070, you know, uh, straight up uh, an attack on, on our community, on, on undocumented folks. Yeah. yeah. Show me your papers and I have the right to profile you because yeah. I suspect that you're brown and yeah. illegal. Um, the, the bill that came right after House Bill 2281 was um, a direct attack on 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 our education and some of the work that some of the brothers and sisters were doing in, in two years deep the educators you know people like sean arce jose gonzalez norma gonzalez they were they had programs man that were just super successful in in closing that that achievement gap man that we're that we're all trying to to fight and um hb 2281 um basically encourages you know, from 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 the state legislator, it, it's like you can't teach ethnic studies, and so, you know, the the ban of certain books and all well, that. Specifically, you can't teach Mexican American studies, right? Right, because other studies programs weren't affected by H HB two two eight one, right? But yeah, so specifically Mexican American. But I, I mean, I I think that's that's important, especially in terms of like our conversation because of the success that MAS program had in Tucson. I mean, it was it was incredible. So um, in 2017, um, you know, this this bill goes into the courts. They reverse it, man. It's, yeah. it, you know, unconstitutional. And for us, it's, it's the green light to create programs and create an educational system that right. is like decolonial, that is student-based, that, that is humanizing, right? Yeah. Um, our, our traditional school systems have just been designed to strip our young people from their culture and their, their humanity. Yeah. So at Changemaker High School, we're doing every morning, man. We before the before the classes even start, man. We gather up, we burn some of the sage, man, and we have the way way out there. We have the drum, we honor the four directions. We look look at each other, you know, the people that are across us. We lock eyes with other people and yeah. we say, hey, we're here. We humanize each other and we have conversations, man. I'm in the classroom. You go from one classroom to another, and the conversations are around you know, social justice, yeah. climate change, equity, inclusion. 
you know, this is our this is our first year that all of our teachers have gone through some of the training that's happening uh, through Shito. Right. Um, you know, Anita Fernandez, uh, Jose and Norma, they've been with us in the classroom as well as, you know, outside in, in developing and in, in improving our professional development and focusing on how how we like create a, a liberating and humanizing educational experience for the students that walk into our classrooms. Yeah, Shito is really important organization. For those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's an acronym, X-I-T-O, Chicano Institute for Teaching and Organizing. And it comes out of the MAS program that was disrupted by Arizona House Bill 2281 that Oscar was just talking about a second ago. They've um, really expanded. The people who are a part of that program have really expanded their efforts and are um, going around the country right now, uh, training teachers in this sort of culturally relevant pedagogy. And to throw that word out, pedagogy, could you talk to us a little bit about the kind of uh, pedagogy that you guys are really, you know, working with at Changemaker. Yeah. So um, the way I I teach my classes, um, you know, history, um, we start off with our own histories and we, we start diving deep, man. You know, to to learn history is to to receive information. But how, how are we going to. I don't want to reproduce a banking educational system with our youth. So we start off with ourselves, you know. What have we been through, right? Um, we start off with with the Nauiolin and and we talk about the Scatlipoca and ha- have a moment of reflection and like what are the lived experiences, whether they were harmful, whether they were they were good, what what were they, and then how are we using that to kind of move forward in our academic studies in learning about history, whether it's a social movement, civil rights movements certain struggles that people have overcome. So my approach, man, at the end of the at the end of the class in my history class, students, they go out into their community, they interview somebody, they they create an oral history project right. where they become the historians or historians and they they connect with the person that they are interviewing and they, you know, establish a relationship with people that that have been, uh, you know, living whether it's in South Tucson or in, in some of the old barrios in in uh, Tucson, that just have a memory, man, and have created a place. And oftentimes, those those stories just get ignored or don't get don't get um, uplifted, man. So yeah. I'm really encouraging our young people in my classroom to, yeah, man, to like uplift those stories of whether that nana, that tata, that no one really like has been documenting or been has been sharing their their lived experiences, man. So just validating that, you know, and putting it in writing and sharing it. At the end of the semester, the students exhibit their oral history projects. And it feels good, you know, to to see some of the nanas and tatas or some of the folks from the community come in and see you know, some some folks like break down in tears because they're like, "Wow, you know, I didn't know that some, that my story was so important, and that this young person, you know, this young high school student, took the time to write it up and to record it and to you know, yeah, make sense of it." Yeah. So that's that's one thing I'm doing, man. I think that's fantastic. The idea of of how you build or rebuild or restart a historical narrative i think maybe restart is actually probably the right way to say it because i mean if you think about the disruption of colonization or the disruption that colonization or settler colonialism has had on the historical 
personality of who indigenous people are within the Americas. I mean, the work that you're engaging these students in, I think is so important. One of the things that it does is it reaffirms the idea, our stories, even the ones of regular people, right? Because that's also a, a counter narrative to, to capitalism. Because in capitalism, it's all about who the idea guy is and all of this flows from the entrepreneur and who's taking the risk and all of this. But there's really, um, you know, there's really another way to look at history and that and that's history from below. And part of like who makes history is it these is it the rich, famous guy or is it the people who actually made this guy's ideas come to life? Right. And so then, yeah, I mean, it's it's a restarting that history. I, I mean, I think it I think it's vital in terms of taking our students and putting them into, you know, this different mindset, like you were talking about with the Naui Olin and thinking about the the four aspects of it. Maybe, maybe you could talk a little yeah. bit about that. I think that that would be good. Yeah. I think for people who aren't exactly familiar with it, they hear the words, you mm-hmm. know, Poca, yeah. you know, Quetzalcoatl, Huitzilopochtli, Shipitotec, and they, they think that it's, some sort of mystical thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is some sort of like indigenous yeah. spiritism or mysticism. And, and and we both know that that's not true, that it means something entirely different in terms of like how we look at the world and how we um, make scientific understanding of the world. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Nauilin is um, something that I spend the first week with our students, uh, teaching them and telling them that it's, it's a tool, man, for making decisions in our daily life. Um, with Descatlipoca being reflection, Quetzalcoatl looking at that ancient and beautiful knowledge that we carry. Yeah. The um, the Xipetotec, that that transformation, you know, that we're going through on a daily basis, whether whether we're um, going through certain situations in our life, leaving some of that stuff behind, remembering, but also like just caminando para adelante, right? We're uh, walking forward. Yeah. And that Huitzilopochtli, man, is that will, that that will that we have, that that hummingbird, that action, that drive, man, what, what drives us every day. It's like a decision-making framework that we use. It's a decolonial decision-making framework where we're able to uh, work with young people and encourage them to like, hey, you know, assess your, your life in this way. See where, see where you're good at and see what's, what's happening. See where you're, where you're needing more support of. That tool actually is also designed to help us get to know each other. Because right. before we even get into like decolonizing the discipline, yeah. Before we even get into the academics, yep. it's like, what are our stories? How are we even like here today? And it's really easy, man, to like dehumanize people in our society. Like it's so easy, man. We walk outside the classroom and people are trashing each other. It's yeah. like it's in our language. Um, it's in the way we we walk sometimes. We're doing the opposite, man. We're saying you need to walk in beauty, uh, the Mexicayo way of also using like some of these indigenous and ancestral ways of organizing ourselves. Right. You have to like honor those that came before you and also pave the way, right, for those that are that are also coming ahead. And then making sure that you're that you're just acknowledging people, man. Yeah. Uh, it's real easy, man, to just like, and especially in a, in a capitalist colonial system that we live in today, man, to just like completely forget about people's just emotional well-being. Man. Yeah. 
that's what we're doing, man, at, at the high school, um, at least in, in my classroom and in other classrooms that, that I've had the chance to observe. We're really, we're saying if, if we want young people of color that are coming from underprivileged backgrounds to do well in school, that this is a way to get them engaged. This is a way to get them into institutions of higher learning. Like Prescott College, man, I'm here, you know, as a student starting a PhD program. And I see a lot of challenges ahead, man. Yeah. But, but I'm also aware that um, that this is nothing new, man. I'm in a program called sustainability education. The current educational system has worked for some and it's sustained itself. Yeah. Right? There's other ways, man. And I think that how do we like for me, I've been I've been really influenced by some of that work that has come out of UCLA and looking at the, the Chicano educational pipeline and how many of us graduate from high school and college and how many of us get a PhD. Those leaks are really real, man. Yeah. Like that educational pipeline is is broken for people of color. For Rasa, it's like we're we're just not doing well. How do we create that that pipeline that's like humanizing, that's healthy, right? And we create ways where we're like we're feeling good about this work that we're doing yeah well oscar you you've been doing this for 10 years man i mean and all the work that you did before your own experience i mean what do you what do you really think are some like fundamental things that can happen that will make it so that uh you know we can kind of plug up those leaks yeah you gotta meet every student right where they're at understand that some students are dealing with some trauma, man. Yeah. And it's directly related to some of the adults that they're around and those adults being directly connected to systems, right? Systems of oppression. Right. Uh, whether it's poverty, racism, sexism. For me, man, it's like we got to love our students, man. And we tell them that doesn't mean pobrecito i'm gonna help you yeah. like none of that savior mentality this is gonna be work sometimes it's like it's gonna feel like war yeah right <laughs> yeah and it's, gonna, and it's yeah. like it's, it's a battle yeah. man but um yeah. we think that this is going to like gonna have a a ripple effect man where our young people can then go back into their communities and and work with some of those some of the adults that have done harm to them and yeah. forgive them or or hold them accountable right yeah. and say hey you know one thing that has has become very very clear to me man some of the young folks that walk into my classroom and that have historical trauma don't articulate and can't articulate their own traumas some of them do very well but if there isn't any healing along the lines along the way it just gets passed down man from one generation to another right that historical trauma just gets passed down from one generation to another and so how do we make space for healing along along this way man along this educational journey right? yeah um, where we can also humanize and support the the folks that are outside in our in our communities so one of the things that you said earlier that I thought was really interesting because this is was also I think very true for myself in terms of like my own journey through education and through my life, was coming to an understanding of an indigenous identity. I'm just kind of wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that in itself mm. has really has impacted you personally, but also to impacted the way that 
you think about your responsibilities as a teacher. Yeah. Uh, over the past five years, I've been really focused on getting young people and getting myself right connected to this land, whether it's through gardening, acknowledging the different creatures right that that also coexist in in our habitat. So I start off with like doing activities that help us build relationship to the land, man, that we are on right. and. For for raza, for for Mexicanos, Mexican American youth, we've been fooled, man. We've been told that we're immigrants. We've been told that you know we're we're like half breed. We're not fully indigenous. And then, you know, on my own journey and researching that and and going back and having conversations with my with my own relatives, we can't trace our history back to Europe, man. Like I can't trace my history back to Europe. Right. Like, I can't say I have a relative in España by the last name of Medina. Right. Like, he's going to open his doors and then tell me how I'm connected. Like, that doesn't happen, man. And so this is where I'm very explicit. Like, we're from here, man. We're from this continent. But we've been fooled. Even the way the history books and all of that has been told to us. Yeah. And so how do we start building relationships with indigenous people that, haven't been as colonized as some of the Chicanos and Mexicanos that are residing in the Southwest. Yeah. All right. So I've been working with some of the youth that have come into my classroom, some yeah. of the Tahana Atom youth, telling them like, hey, man, we're like primos, man. We're like relatives. Literally. And, and Yeah. And like one of the. We're all from the that, same area. It's just this border that was created that makes those yeah. that makes those differences. I yeah. had a I had a conversation with with a, a farmer, a Hopi farmer. Yeah. Uh, he came down and gave a talk in my class. Right. Because I was uh, teaching an urban agriculture class at the time. And we're, you know, growing corn. We're growing 60 day thon autumn corn and talking about, you know, how corn has uh, has connected us. And he, he came down and, and he was talking about the way he grows his corn, right? There's dry land farming uh, up there in, in, in Hopi land. He said, you know what? He said, the, you know, the difference between Chicanos, Mexicanos and, and Hopi is that we, we fought colonization. And he said, Mexicanos, you guys embraced it. And, um, and for me, I was like, you know what, brother? Like, I'm going to validate what you're saying. <laughs> But um, I don't know if that's but, true, but okay. But I, but I I'm did tell, but that, I did yeah. tell him, right? I, yeah. I, did, I did tell him. You know what connects us, man? Yeah. Is this corn right it's here? The corn. Man. That's right. Yeah. And so, like, he was like, "Cool." Yeah. We're still like, yeah. I, I can roll with that, and I think it's um, that's an interesting interpretation of history. But I think um, I can also kind of see how somebody might come to that conclusion, but you know, we're talking about hundreds of years difference too mm. in terms of contact and all sorts of things so yeah wow that was interesting yeah. huh okay yeah. so i you know i encourage my young uh the young folks that come into the classroom and to you know search for their identity right. and search for their roots and connect you know what many chicanos and chicanx folks that are uh residing in tucson are from sonora man like yeah. Their familias are, you know, from Hermosillo, Magdalena, Caborca. Th- this border, man, it's like new, man. It's yeah. like a new thing, man. 
And like a hundred years from now, man, it's gonna look real different. Yeah. But what one thing that I I just encourage young folks to just like connect, man, to this land. Like you're you're not from Europe. You may be or might be told that your last name comes from Europe or it's like, nah, man, like you're from here. Yeah. You're, and we're from here and we should do we should embrace that. Yeah. Cause this is our home. Embracing that is like we gotta take care of our home. We gotta take care of our people. And our communities right now, we're we're under attack. You know, yesterday at, at the meeting, our familias are under attack, man. And it's you know, with, with 45 in power, it has emboldened some of the most racist people out there. Yeah. And has uh created, you know, these uh draconian policies, man, that that are having a direct impact man, on our families, you know. In Tucson, this woman dropped off her kids, man, at school and was pulled over by a state trooper and um you know it's held in a detention center right now and so there's a there's a gofundme campaign that's um trying to get her her bail funds put What's together her name? Do um, remember? i don't know her name man but i am gonna we can put it you know next to the link but okay it's outrageous man i think they're asking for like a forty-three thousand dollar bail holy crap right and um her three children were born in the United States yeah. and her husband was, I believe, deported a few years ago. You know, that's that's happening right now, man. Yeah. So there's a, there's there's a direct attack, man, on our community and and we can't we can't just sit back, man. There there has to be like some urgency. And I know that there's folks mobilizing and organizing around these issues, but some of those students walk into my classroom, man, and they're afraid to tell their story. Yeah. Cause they don't feel safe. We're trying to create those spaces, man, where they feel safe, where there is community. Wow. As as we get ready to wrap up, I was just wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about the Praxis Conference yeah. that you all sponsor uh, with Prescott College down there and uh, maybe give us a date. Praxis Conference uh, will be Friday, March 27th and Saturday, March 28th. Um, it's one of the largest youth organizing conferences in the southwest yeah last year we we had patrice Culler come out and and she was our keynote but we had youth from wisconsin from denver from la from napa valley so it's a space and a conference where um, young people are, are holding down workshops learning from each other le learning about each other's uh, struggles and and building man definitely um if uh, folks, if we can probably put a link right there, just throw, throwing it out there. Oh, we can def we'll definitely put a link up. All right, Oscar, it was great having you, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. I am intimately familiar with how demanding and exhausting uh, PhD seminars can be. Yeah. And so, I mean, I appreciate you taking a, a moment to, to sit down and talk, man. And I really wish you good luck. I mean, I have no doubt you'll be successful. You got a tough road ahead of you, brother. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. Ain't going to soft sell it. <laughs> it's it's going to be rough. <laughs> but when you get to the other end, it's it's worth it. 100%. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, for Thanks sure. I'll talk to you real soon, man. Yeah. I want to thank Oscar for taking the time to talk with me today. The work he and his colleagues are doing in restarting history, helping Rasa students to see the importance of their culture and how that impacts every facet of their lives is truly revolutionary work. Until next time, 
stay calm, stay hydrated, and know where the exits are.